Hello, and welcome to Assigned Scientist at Bachelors. I'm Charles, and I'm an entomologist. And I'm Tessa, and I'm an astrobiologist. Today, it's just the two of us to talk about Nona the Ninth, the third book, but not the last book in what was previously known as the Locked Tomb Trilogy by Tamsin Muir. The book that is brave enough to ask the question, what if God were Captain Planet, and also kind of an asshole? To be fair, I think a lot of books ask the second question. But very surprisingly few ask the first. So Tessa, why don't you give us a quick summary of the book? So Note of the Ninth picks up sometime afterwards the last book, Hero the Ninth. Unlike the last two books, the viewpoint is from the titular character Nona, who is awoken with absolutely no memory of who she is and is being cared for by some people we will probably recognize, Camilla Hecht, the... Revenant of Palamedes Sextus. Um, who else is there with them? Pura. Oh yeah, Pura. Right, Pura. As they try to survive on a planet that has basically become a massive refugee camp for people fleeing the empire of John Gaius, as well as fleeing the resurrection piece, one of which is parked out right outside the planet, so that's not great either. Um, Although and... we don't learn explicitly that it's a resurrection beast until a little oh. bit in. I thought that was pretty obvious, though. Oh, well, well anyways. It's, it's, listen. It's, okay, okay. You know. We can cut that out, then. Um, I mean, but, we don't yeah. necessarily have to cut it out, because, you know, it is, it's a big blue sphere. Yeah. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and also, they are slowly getting involved in hijinks with the Blood of Eden, who we met in the last book. And... Things really get to a head when um, it turns out the Empire may be planning on counter-invading. And that's basically where it picks up from there. Hmm. How, do you, how, did, how did this one treat you? I liked it. It was nice to get some answers and see which suspicions I had proved to be correct and which ones proved to be wrong. I will say, and are we getting into spoiler territory now at this point? Yeah, obvi- yes. Okay, <laughs> okay. So the one question, or one of the major questions I was left with was, has Gideon always been this much of an asshole? Or, uh, and we just didn't notice it because she was always a viewpoint character. Or, like, is this something new? Because uh, she seemed, it was hard to tell which side she was on. You know, she's since found out that she is literally the child of the... Uh, the man who became God, the God who became man. Yeah, um, and uh, seems pretty on board with that for the most part. But on the other hand, it's also, I think, implied, at least how I read it, is that a lot of that was mostly a ploy so she could eventually get back to Harrow. Because I have a hard time imagining she would ever like make friendship bracelets with Ionthe otherwise, <laughs> given yeah. their history. This is not important, but when I was reading it, I was saying Yanthi in my head. Oh, is it? It probably is a Yanthi then. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a quote unquote real name to begin with. You know, it's kind of like when people disagree over how to pronounce scientific names where it's like, there's, it's, it's made up babes. Um, mm. It does look like Yanthi is a name. It's from Greek mythology. So that's all I have to say about that. Hmm. I, this is, I haven't fact checked this, but according to the Wikipedia page, it means she who delights, incorrect, 
Yeah, for my part, I I'll say I liked about 75% of this one. Mostly because the early and first couple hundred in it's in the ARC that we both read because we're recording this in May, but releasing it in September. In the one that we read, it's just under 500 pages. And the first 200, 300 pages, I found kind of slow going. Agreed. Most, mostly the Nona parts, particularly, because I think it is difficult to make a compelling character whose whole thing is that they have six months of memory and they don't know who they are and they don't know what people are talking about around them. There are some parts where it's like tantalizing. We hear Nona hearing people who do know what's going on talk and you're like, ooh, what's that? Yeah. But there are some parts of it, like when she's just at school and like walking Noodle, the six-legged dog, it's like, what's happening here? Yeah, and also like the the drama with like the friend she's made at the school she's attending was also kind of, eh. I mean, it was kind of cute, but it it it, it wasn't there was, exactly there was past-paced. There was a lot of it for what it was. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, this is my plan is I've read it once now and I'm going to let it simmer and then I'm going to reread it when it's officially released in September. And I wonder if after that amount of time, and on a second reread, a lot of the things that felt kind of inconsequential will feel more consequential. But yeah, I think to 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 have some structure to this rather than just 60 minutes of us saying, not as gay, but still gay, We I did make a Google Doc. So lingering questions from Harrow the Ninth, things that Nona answered, and then questions that remain unanswered. <laughs> And then miscellaneous. So beginning with lingering questions from Hera the Ninth, I think the biggest thing to me, I the one of the most interesting things to me from Hera the Ninth was when Hera was on that one planet and then she got surprised by Camilla, who was with Coronabeth, Deuteros, and Palamedes. And by... With Palamedes, I mean that he had attached his soul to his physical body and uh, Camilla... Or fragments was, thereof. Fragments thereof. And Camilla was carrying around part of his skull and was like, Harrow, can you get him? And then Harrow was like, yeah, I guess. That was very mysterious because they were just there and then they were gone. And we do get an answer to that, kind of, where we learned that Coronabeth and Camilla had willingly joined the Blood of Eden and Lieutenant Deuteros was with them, but appeared to be unwilling. <laughs> unwilling. Yeah, she wasn't too keen on it. She was not too keen on it. And then we see her again in this book and she has been benighted uh, by like the necromancer madness brought on by the big blue sphere in the sky, which it turns out is one of the resurrection piece. And it is in fact, number seven, which had attacked the Mithraeum from Harrow the ninth. And we end Harrow with Gideon having emerged from beneath Harrow's consciousness in her body. And Gideon fights off 
the resurrection beasts and Gideon, the necromancer is in the river and he dies. And then Pyrrha is left to take over the body. And it's, (laughs) but it's a whole situation. So it seems like Deuteros has been affected by the necromancer madness that has apparently affected all of the necromancers on the planet that Nona and Camilla and Pyrrha are on. So we find out what was happening with them. Do we find out how Corona Beth and Camilla and Deuteros got off of the first house and were able to join the Blood of Eden? Not directly. I'm assuming they, since, oh God, what was the name? Cytheria? Um See, I was thinking Cytheria. Oh, maybe it is Cytheria. I don't know. I don't um, know. Cytheria was like, had tipped them off to what was going down. So I assume that they, the Blood of Eden sort of swooped in immediately afterwards to like, Oh yes, yes, reconnoiter. Yes, Cytheria um, was working with Blood of Eden. Yeah. Yeah. And then she was dead. And then we, in Harrow the Ninth, it turns out, man, the souls in this universe really don't want to just lay still because as it turns out, Gideon was the product of Augustine the first and Mercy Morn the first, who were the first two lictors having sex with John and getting a sample. And then they tried to impregnate Mercy Morn, but because she was a necromancer, it did not work because you can't necromancers are bad at, well, I think less that she was just a lick, a necromancer. no, Alan he's trying to jump on top of my keyboard. So less because she was just a necromancer and more that she was specifically a lictor where the whole point of a lictor is that you have sort of an internal battery of thanergy, which is death energy. And so you can't create new life inside of your body because it's, it's just death all the time, baby. Anyway. So, and then it was the leader of the blood of Eden who John humorously called wake me up inside and i think her actual name was awake ye valiant dead yes so commander wake actually impregnated herself with the sample and then she gave birth to gideon the ninth on a shuttle heading towards the ninth house to open up the locked tomb because the locked tomb was locked with like blood wards And then as one of them puts it, it's more like cell wards because it just has to have the DNA of John. And so the best way to get that DNA would be to produce offspring with it. I think they addressed why they couldn't just use this semen sample itself, right? It had to be like... Yeah, I vaguely recall. Either it, it couldn't work or it needed to be like a living organism. Yes. And so Gideon was the product of that. But the lictor for whom Gideon the Ninth was named, Gideon the First, had been having an affair with Wake, as had his cavalier soul, who sometimes took over the body. <laughs> they had both been having an affair with Wake, and they both killed her. So then Gideon was Gideon the Ninth was left orphaned in the Ninth House, but that is how young Harrowhark had been able to open up the tomb because she actually had Gideon's blood and cells and whatever on her person because they had gotten into a tussle. Yep. So that's that whole situation. What were we even talking about? 
current about the blood of Eden. Right. So then blood of Eden had been working with Cytheria. So that is probably how they got the call to come pick up those individuals who had not been killed or become lictors in the house first house trial. So we know what happened to them. How did they get Harrow's body? Um, I'm pretty sure they picked it up after, right after the battle with number seven in Hera the Ninth. Well, uh, but how? Because that that was at the Mithraeum, which like only uh, lictors. It's either that because they were nearby. I mean, the planet that Harrow encountered them was nearby the Mithraeum. Um, but also, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Pyrrha was involved. You know, maybe grabbed Harrow on the way out. Oh, true. Because I don't think they knew that Gideon the first, the soul, had been killed in the river. Right. Yeah. No, so they, they yeah. So they thought it was status quo. So Pyrrha pulled a little sleight of face and probably got Harrow and skedaddled. Okay. And Blood of Eden was nearby, which is probably how the Resurrection Beast ended up at the planet where Camilla et al have Nona. Okay. So that's taken care of. Okay. So here's the biggest thing. Let's come back to who was blood of Eden. So what is going to happen to Harrow after Harrow? It, we find out that Nona is introduced as being six months old, approximately almost six months old. And it's basically, we get little drips and drabs and it turns out that Nona is some consciousness in Harrow's body, which is not being piloted by Gideon anymore and is not being piloted by Harrow. And so then it's like, well, who is Nona? And that's we'll come back to that one as well. So what is going to happen to Harrow after Harrow? Her soul is having a hard time of it lately. It's still hiding somewhere. In a bubble in the river, pretty much. Like a bubble in the river, probably. But Harrow's body is with Camilla and Pyrrha. And in Camilla's body is also Palamedes, but not in a lictor way, in a different way. It's more like a timeshare. It's more, it's more like a timeshare where Palamedes. Well, I, I think the, the, the term he uses is he's basically possessing her on a temporary basis. Yeah. So that gives us another answer to what happened to Palamedes as well, where last we saw him, he was in a piece of skull that Harrow then turned into like a forearm and hand. And now he is chilling in Camilla and they're trading off back and forth. Who gets Because if he stays too long in her body, he could basically damage her. Yes. And then something very important happens with that, which we can touch on later. So back and forth the structure of the book is we get these chapters with nona where it's her perspective her going about her day it's overall how many days is it it's just it's short it's like maybe a week yeah let me day one five days until the tomb opens so it's five days so we get this back and forth structure of we get these chapters where it's nona's perspective we're you know we're following nona about her day and then when she goes unconscious for any reason, we get these chapters that are John Gaius, a.k.a. the Necrolord Prime. And it's him telling somebody the whole history of how he be- basically all of the point up until 
the creation of lictors, it seems like. Yeah. And so from this narrative, we see the whole, like, who he was before he was John Gaius, what was happening on Earth, and what, how, when, and where, and how he got his necromantic powers. Because I think that was one of the biggest sort of lingering things left unanswered, where, like, how did this guy become... like where did necromancy come from because we know from the first two books that the human the 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 people in the books obviously are humans who share a history with us because we learn about the nine houses that are obviously connected to the nine planets before pluto was uncategorized as a planet and don't get mad at me about it. But the nine houses are the nine classic planets. I mean, when did it get... Was it 2006? Yeah, it was 2006. Okay, so 1931 to 2006, those classic nine planets. Dominicus is our sun. Gaius, Gaia, and all of the memes, obviously. Yeah. So we know that there's a shared history between them and us. But the, crucially, we don't have necromancers. I don't know if you've noticed, Tesla. Yeah, yeah, there's been a distinct lack. No necromancers that I've heard of. So it's like, okay, they come from our Earth. They are us 10,000 years in the future, probably. Where did necromancy come from? And we get an answer to that. And it is the collective soul of Gaia chose John and gave him necromancy powers. And yeah, if, and also if you thought that there were um, religious parallels or allegories in the first two books, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because this is very straight up. He has literally appeared and started like miraculously healing people at one point. He can resurrect the dead. It's very obvious that this is, you know, a, a fascinating recast of a lot of Christian theology, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a... Or at least it's the like... The Messiah archetype in general. It is an appropriation of Christian mythology. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the structures of Christian mythology and, and, you know. Well, let's dig into this for a minute. Let's dig into this. So, first of all, the structures with John. I mean, before anything else, John is one of the Gospels. You know, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. And they are the chapters from, you know, John Gaius telling whoever about what was happening, they are literally titled as if you were referring to verses of the Bible. It says John 20 colon eight, right? That's the first one. And then additionally, in Gideon the ninth, the whole thing was all of the prime necromancers and their cavaliers from each of the nine houses, well, from two through nine, would send them to the first house. And the idea was that they would learn from and go through all of these trials that the first lictors went through and go through the process of becoming lictors. And then only two of them successfully do so, partially because Cytheria is present, who is one of the first lictors and is trying to kill everybody and prevent new lictors from being created because she was working with Blood of Eden. And then partially because... Palamedes and Camilla, I don't, I can't remember if they directly figured it out before, like, 
I'm pretty and sure he did, but he rejected yeah. it because he was like, no, there's no way this can be it. This is too awful. Because they, they're best friends forever. Get them friendship bracelets. For real. And so he was like, I'm not going to do that. So only two of them succeeded. Ianthi figured it out by herself and just straight up knifed Niberius in the back and ate his soul and then became a lictor. And then Harrow became a lictor under duress because they were backed into a corner. They were all going to die. And then Gideon sacrificed herself (laughs) very much like space Jesus that she is. And so she sacrificed herself. So then Harrow could become a lictor and beat Cytheria. And then Harrow deals with all of the Harrow, the ninth, the book, as well as Harrow, the character deals with the fallout of it i reread gideon and harrow before reading nona and the degree to which harrow is just about how if you try to disappear grief it'll just mess you up worse is like that's what that's about because she tries to bury any memory of gideon so that she won't fully absorb and digest gideon's soul so that gideon won't really be gone but then that means that she is a you know a fake lictor, a half lictor. Everybody's mad at her. It doesn't quite work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the end, she ends up getting sucked into this dream bubble fully. And then Gideon's soul rises up and takes over Hera's and then learns that Gideon the ninth is the daughter of God. And then God pulls a dad joke. Then it's great. Where was I going with this? lictors literally what were we talking about oh oh i remember so that's the first thing is that lictors the whole idea is that you kill your cavalier and then absorb their soul so that when you are not at the wheel and you're like down in the river doing necromancer stuff then the cavalier can sort of bubble up and defend your body as well as you know, Thanergy, necromancy magic, your body becomes like an eternal battery of death juice. So you can just keep, because we, we, we learn about pretty early on in the first book that like necromancers can't really ply their craft in space because there's no dead stuff around to take the energy from. So lictors don't have that problem because they're just a death battery because they absorbed somebody's soul. So Palamedes, at some point in the first book, figures this out, and he's like, I'm not going to do that. Camilla is my best friend forever. Absolutely Mm. not. And then it turns out in Nona, Palamedes and Camilla have this body timeshare situation, and they figure out at a certain point in the book a way, an alternate way to sort of combine souls to achieve something close to lictorhood where instead of one of them having to kill and absorb the other, they like basically not to reference Steven universe in the year of our Lord 2022, but to reference Steven universe, they become like a gym fusion. That's actually a really good comparison actually. Yeah. I mean, and then they become even more powerful than they were before but they're not one or the other taking over the other. They are both of them together. (laughs) And the name that they choose is literally Paul, like Paul the Apostle. Oh, heck, I hadn't thought about that. Well, of course you didn't, because you weren't raised in the Christian church, but I was Paul. I, I, I literally, I had to close the book and like set it down when that, when 
they were like, call me Paul. I was like, ah, oh, Tamsin Muir got me again because it is such a, 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 a sort of like they are the first of this new approach, right? Got me again. And so I think that was where I was. I think that's the end point of where I was. I was going with all of that. But just to say that that is another part of the very heavily borrowing from and appropriating Christian mythology and the structure of Christian mythology. Got me again, Tamsin. Hmm. But now that we're here at Paul, how did that strike you? I mean, I'll be sad to see the characters go as separate voices, but on the other hand, they're two of my favorite characters merged together. How could the resulting character not be cool? To be fair, we're we've got one more book, so there's it's not like you have a whole trilogy to be sad right. that they aren't independent voices anymore. I will say I love Camilla and Palamedes, obviously, and I'm kind of mad at myself for how much Palamedes is just one of my favorite characters because it is so he is such an obvious like it's n- <laughs> it's not an interesting cr- favorite character to have because he's just the studious wizard boy which is the same character that I've been in love with my whole life. And it's like, you're almost 30. Get some more interesting opinions. But on the other hand, I'm almost 30. I I'm locked in. You know what I mean? Like the person that I am now is probably just who I'm going to be until I die. And the person that that is, is the one who loves put upon studious wizard boys. And I, you know, that's me. You know what? There's no shame in that. Well, it's a little bit boring, but it's we all are who we are, and we can't change that. Because unlike Palamedes, I can't fuse with my best friend to become a new and stronger Hmm. version of both of us together. And I also, it's a little bit also like in Pacific Rim, one of the greatest movies ever made. Agreed. When you go into the drift together. Anyway, so I have talked with my best friend many times about whether we would actually want to like be drift compatible and pilot a giant robot together. And the answer is we, I don't think that we would because there's no privacy left in your own brain after that. And it's like, there's some stuff in here that's just for old Charles Hmm. and not anybody else. Do you think that you and Alex would be drift compatible? Yeah, but that's because we mutually process so much stuff already as it is. (laughs) That, I mean, that's a great stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great setup for piloting a giant robot, though. Because you've already had, you know, cooperative problem solving. Listen, as the theme song to Roswell says, I am what I am. I'll do what I want. (laughs) And I can't hide. So what's next? What's next? What else was... Okay, so John became God by being granted that power by Earth. Literally, I mean, this is not... um, I, it's not that surprising that Earth would have a whole collective soul altogether because that's literally what the resurrection beasts yeah, are. It's already established in the series. It's already established. And so basically, and then the question is, but why this guy specifically? And I'm not sure that that question was really answered. That's something I've wondered a lot about too, you know, and maybe we'll find out more because we'll probably hear a lot from the person who gave him those powers in the next book, I suspect. But yeah, because like, I mean, yes, he was around dead people a lot. So I guess that's helpful. And, you know, his heart was kind of in the right place because uh, I, I guess it's implied that he was given these powers to like 
try to stop humanity from basically destroying the whole biosphere. Mm. But uh, yeah, in the, you know, why him? Why not Augustine or Mercy Mourn or any of the people who were hanging around with him pre-resurrection? Right. Well, this kind of gets into the, the next question also, which is who were the first lictors and why those people specifically? And it turns out that they were mostly the people who were in his entourage beforehand resurrection yeah oh and anyways it turns out part of that though and this is how things got really messy is that the people who would become the blood of eden were in the process of literally fleeing the earth they developed some sort of crude fast and light travel and you know so a bunch of trillionaires got together and built their starships and were literally just leaving the rest of us to die as it was very strongly implied like the entire biosphere was going to collapse soon yeah, um, so the yeah, so the setup was basically John was a scientist who was working in cryopreservation of like preserving of like preserving a bunch of dead bodies and they through a series of events it got to the point where like these trillionaires at all were developing a plan to like take waves of people because basically at a point of apocalyptic collapse where like the earth itself is becoming unlivable for humans. And so there are these different plans of like, we'll take a bunch of people away. We'll cryopreserve a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. And it turns out that these trillionaires are planning. They're saying that they're going to take waves of people, but in point of fact, they are going to get themselves gone and then forget about it. And so the like 10,000 year long blood feud between John Gaius and the blood of Eden comes back to this instance where these trillionaires escaped from Earth. At a certain point, he just decides, I'm going to nuke the Earth. I'm going to kill yeah. everything. Well, and he. Several things kick that off. First off, the trillionaires fleeing. So there's that betrayal. Secondly, a mentor of his literally commits suicide in front of him. At which point he is granted understanding of how human souls work. He'd figure out he could, you know, animate dead bodies, but he couldn't like restore them to life. Um, and he figured out he could heal living bodies, but the in between he didn't, he couldn't get. But you know, having someone shoot herself in front of him not only gave him a huge burst of thanergy, which he described as like someone had just injected meth into my eyeballs. You know, he also finally understood how souls work and that he could like keep them in place and recover them and presumably restore them to a body if he wanted to. And in the same moment also came aware of the soul of the earth. And then both because he sensed how much the earth was being hurt by humanity, but also because, you know, he has a massive vindictive streak over the trillionaires fleeing. He decided to, through various points of access he'd created in the world leadership, yeah, set off a nuclear war, which killed more people. And then anyone who survived after he'd absorbed the energy of the people killed by the bombs, he then just killed remotely. So he literally killed every single person on the planet except for himself. Yeah, and he tried to kill the fleeing trillionaires, but they escaped his grasp just at the last second. So that is basically these two different sources of post-apocalyptic humanity. One are the descendants of these fleeing trillionaires, and then one is everybody resurrected and defrosted, basically, by yeah. John Gaius. 
I think some of them were bodily resurrected as well. Because, I mean, I think it was Gideon who, like, he was, I think it was Gideon. Was he the one who went to Melbourne who was, like, definitely hit by a nuke? Yeah, um, he was, like, he was by the suitcase with the nuke in it. So Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. And uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's where this entity comes from. And at some point after the dust had settled on Earth, I will also point out that John literally went in his race to try to get the trillionaires. He literally also killed everyone in the solar system, which led to the creation of the resurrection beast as he killed off the human colonies on each planet and also destroyed the sun. I'm I'm still not entirely sure how that worked. You know, if the sun would have a resurrection beast or not, probably not, but that's still some pretty massive power. I mean, does it specifically say that he turns off the sun or is he just lying about turning it back? Oh, that's true. Well, he said he bit down on the sun. But yeah, I don't know. It's possible he's lying because he's not entirely reliable. Um, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. To put it mildly, yeah. Yeah. Have we covered... The... What else is there to <laughs> I think. So it's... I mean, the whole backstory is very much like... Yeah, so the the first 16 like disciples that he had were the people who were basically his disciples... Yeah, working on this cryopreservation project, and specifically, he was hoping to use this to help evacuate Earth, you know, basically by freezing people, loading them into starships, and getting them off the planet. Yeah. So I think, whose blood of Eden we covered? What happened to Harrow? How did John become God? Who were the first lictors? And then what happened to Gideon after Harrow the Ninth? And I think that's still a little bit ambiguous, where... Gideon was driving the car in Harrow's body when she met John Gaius, and then he killed Mercy Morn and Augustine for trying to assassinate him, which, like, fair enough. On the other yeah. hand, he probably should be assassinated. So, yeah. you, know, you know. And then Gideon the first had died, um, and Pyrrho was occupying that body so how gideon's soul got from inside Hera's body to attached back to her own long dead but preserved body is unclear yeah like all we get is like a flash to her waking up briefly and then that's where Hera the ninth ends and then the next time we see her she is piloting her own corpse as a revenant and has been recognized as the imperial prince to John's empire. Isn't her, because we first see the body in like um, an announcement to the planet that Camilla et al. are on. And it, it turns out, I don't think we covered this yet. It turns out that the sixth house had defected. They were like, we're out of here. After Camilla got brought off of the first house, which is earth, right? In part because also their founding lictor had left messages for what to do in exactly the situation. Apparently it was, get the hell out of Dodge. Yes, and their founding lictor was Cassiopeia? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Cassiopeia? Names, you know? And so their lictor had been like, get get, get the hell out of Dodge. And so they had defected, and Blood of Eden had taken them all to this place. And it turns out that there is a lot of, like, infighting amongst blood of eden they're like different cells and branches and they all kind of hate each other yeah some are more extreme or than others 
or use different tactics. Right. And so, so am I correct that like a, the we suffer is the head of the branch that Corona Beth is part of that Camilla was part of right. that they got taken in by. And are th- is it that the sixth house got? It seemed like maybe a different branch of the blood of Eden had gotten. Oh yeah, had captured them. Yeah, had yeah. captured them and yeah. were right. Yeah, but then they get them all back. It's fine. And so, what was I saying? So everybody is trying to get Gideon's body because obviously it's got that sweet, sweet God blood in it. And they need that to open the tomb because then the idea is that if you open the tomb, you can kill Electo or you can kill the body in the tomb and then that will cause John Gaius's death. And now we know, of course, we learned in Hera the Ninth that there was like a reciprocal... He was the only person who ever pulled off the like reciprocal Lichterhood situation where part of him got put into his guardian and part of his guardian got put into him, which is why he has the totally black eyes and why his guardian was so weird because it wasn't a human soul. It was the composite soul of earth, which also gives him his necromancy powers. And so then at a certain point, do we know what was it that made him be like, you got to go in the tomb, my dude? Um, I, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember because, like, I think he was concerned that Electo would get out and then, I guess, come for him. But I, I don't know. Like, like I said, you know, one of the things I was very confused about this book is exactly who Gideon's allegiance is to. Was she trying to help her father? Was she trying to kill her father? Was she trying to kill Electo? Was this all just a grand ploy, and this is my theory, to get Hera back? Um, yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think it's the power of lesbianism that's motivating her. Because that seems to be the major thing she's concerned with above all else. She triple crosses Ianthe too, several times, which makes sense because there's no universe in which Gideon would actually enjoy Ianthe's company otherwise. Wow. It's, um, come on. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree with you. I think Gideon is just trying to get back to Harrow. I think Gideon is set up very much as a as a character who doesn't have like broad ideological motivations, but rather more narrow person based motivations. Which is fine, you know. Yeah. Listen, the Blood of Eden have wider ideological motivations and look what that got them. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, yeah, we're s I'm still not entirely sure why Gideon and Ianthe were directed to the tomb. There was also the weirdness going on with, like, now people are getting possessed by some unknown force. Yeah, I don't actually remember. What are you What are you talking about specifically? The, all the people in the ninth house, save a few, have gotten possessed by something. Oh, and yes, that yes, yes. The same, the same thing was happening on another planet, Antioch, which is where Ianthe and, and Gideon have been most of the time. Oh, yeah. I complete. I literally, I finished this book... Two or three days ago, I I forgot about that. I forgot about it. But you're so right. You're correct. So that may have been why they were sent as well. Could be. So we leave the book with Electo. The body in the tomb has woken up and has left the tomb. And we've got collected Ianthe, Gideon in her dead body, Harrow, who has passed out again. Typical. Paul, who was Camilla and Palamedes. Is that everybody? 
Yeah, I think that was everyone who oh, was there. Oh, Aglamine? Is she still alive? Um, don't know, but I don't think she was in the tomb. Okay, not in the tomb. And then Marshall Crux volunteered himself to be killed. So Gideon, in her dead body, killed Marshall Crux. And then she was like, and then she was dissatisfied. It like didn't make her feel good. Yeah. I Yeah, I think to your earliest point about whether Gideon was always such a drip, I think she is markedly worse than she was. Because pre- previously she was just like eight-year-old little brother energy of just like, yeah. I'm going to, you know. And now she's like 16-year-old maladjusted little brother who's yeah like, okay i'm glad it wasn't ma- just me picking up on that like because it was like you know i don't remember her being this much of an asshole even if yeah, it wasn't yeah. going to you i think she's definitely worse than she was before and i think that probably comes just my speculation from living inside your own dead body separated from your best frenemy who you're in lesbian yeah life. yeah i mean she has been through a lot of trauma recently so she- <laughs> a little bit just a little bit plus also finding out that you are the daughter of god but also that god is the just absolutely the worst yeah completely the worst just can't even just just the worst and the very last thing that happens in the book is electo picks up the two-hander gideon's Mm two-hander and stabs john through the heart with it and john's response is good morning annalee yeah. Or Annabelle, yeah. Yeah. Quote, at which John awakened and said, Annabelle, good morning. And then we go to the acknowledgments. So Nona was always meant to be, like the stuff that happens in this book was meant to be part of Electo the Ninth. And then it became 500 pages. How do you, how does that, do you think it, there is enough in Nona to justify its own book? Or do you kind of think I that think so. I think in part because... Obviously, a lot of this was going to be from Nona's perspective regardless. And so it would have been, I think, confusing to have Nona for the first half of the book and then switch to... Electo. Yeah, Electo. Even if Electo and Nona are basically the same person, their experiences are radically different from each other. So uh, I think that in terms of like smooth narrative transitions, that may make more sense. Mm. I agree, although I think that Nona maybe should have been 300 to 400 pages. Yeah, yeah, I do think some of it could have been cut. Just because a lot of the stuff with Nona really kind of feels like we're treading water. And not, because the the overwhelming feeling that I got for the first couple hundred pages from the Nona parts were, it reminded me a lot, and not in a way that I, I felt positively about, about the uh, Mad Adam trilogy by Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. And have you read the Mad Adam trilogy? I've read parts of the first book and I've been spoiled. I mean, I wouldn't recommend them. Frankly, I wouldn't recommend the third one at all because it is a lot of it. The like flashback perspective is from a character that I just, I, I don't care about at all. And I've read all three of them. The, the Nona sections before things really start kicking in reminded me a lot of the sort of pre- apocalypse but still feeling pretty apocalyptic future setting of orcs and crake and the year of the flood where it's just like everything is terrible people are dying left and right there's no safe way to live you know like that kind of sense of just everything is awful and Mm -hmm. there's no reprieve from it 
and it's we're just having a bad time all around like there wasn't enough in a lot of those sections for me to keep me like where it was right. just like yeah. i'm going yeah, I get to just, that. you know which is it may just be a personal problem but i don't because again a lot of them felt like they were kind of there to fill up the day rather than actual interesting particularly right. because tonally this book is so different from both Gideon and Harrow. Agreed. Where Gideon slams you face first into a completely alien, like, future world. Where it's like, okay, we're living on Pluto. Okay, there are skeletons walking around. What's happening 10,000 years ago? Something happened. Well, we don't even have writing from 10,000 years. And then Harrow continues with that, where it's an even more narrow scope where they're just on the Mithraeum and there are like five characters that we're you know dealing with day to day and then this one it felt a lot like I've never committed I've never done necromancy but I have eaten a hot dog (laughs) you know so I started really liking Nona once we really got back to the like okay necromancy stuff is happening okay galactic world building okay let's let's get up and go but I don't know your your mileage may vary on that one Getting to that point, what are the things that we still don't know going into Electo the Ninth? First off, most obviously, what are the things possessing people in the Ninth House? Yeah, and I'm wondering if, because during the flashback sequences where we learn about the resurrection, while John hoovered up most of the souls of humanity when he killed everyone in the solar system, apparently there's some he can't account for. And he asked Electo slash Gaia, you know, where are they? What, you know, what did you do with them? And she has never answered him. So I'm wondering if there's a connection there or not. Mm. Um, Or if this is something completely different. Along the same lines, two of John's lictors, Ulysses and Titania, weren't people who were killed in the nuclear war. They were dead before he even got his powers because they were part of the bodies he was doing cryo- preservation experiments on but presumably he resurrected them which makes you wonder where did their souls come from um Mm. how did he pull that off so we don't know where those souls came from and speaking of souls what what's up with the resurrection beasts right yeah what exactly do they want if anything yeah what's their game plan because we've been told that they're just kind of mindlessly pursuing john but John says a lot of stuff, and who cares about him? And also, um, Augustine gets stuffed through the stoma, right? Because in Harrow the Ninth, basically Augustine and John are fighting in the river, and Ianthe shows up, and she has the option to either save Augustine or to save John. And of course, she saves John, and then Augustine gets stuffed down into the stoma. But... That then brings to me, is the stoma actually a a place of no return or could things that have been theoretically killed by being stuffed through the stoma come back? And I don't know. And then also, this is interesting to me. You put, are Cronabeth and Judith going to hook up or what? I didn't get those vibes. So could could you speak on that? Oh, well, partially that's from one of the short stories that came out oh. um, strongly implied that Judith Thuderos had very 
conflicted feelings about Cronabeth and that she did, you know, was attracted to her, but at the same time was like ostensibly on the opposite side of her being a loyal soldier of the empire. Oh, specifically in the Blood of Eden setting. Yeah. Because I was yeah. about to say, Cronabeth was like the princess of Ida. Like, she was in it. I am interested to get more on Corona's whole situation. Because is her joining the Blood of Eden like, I believe in the Blood of Eden? Or is it kind of, I'm saving my own skin? Or right. is it, you know, following just the the ebbs and flows of the river of life, you know, like what is actually going on inside that head adorned right, with right. beautiful curls? Because Nona loves Corona Beth, but of course we knew that Harrow disdained Corona Beth and isn't too hot on Ianthe either. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, what's happening here? So I'm very interested in that because I thought there was at one point when I think Nona says to Corona Beth, whom she calls Crown because her Blood of Eden name begins with like Crown Hoof and Penny Crowns, which is also Christian. It's like a it's like a hymn, like Crown Him with Many Crowns. Da, 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 da. And she says, You're in love with the or whatever. And I thought she, that she was implying that Coronabeth was in love with the warden. And I was like, I don't know how I feel. Oh, about yeah, this. yeah. Actually, that is a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That may also be going on. And so then the question, also unanswered, is Corona Beth now going to be hot for Paul? You know, I was wondering about that too, because like beforehand, it was clearly the couple to ship was Camilla and Palamides, but now they are... Absolutely. Tessa. They're best friends. Yeah. Right, right, right. But they are the same person now. Um, So yeah, that, that brings up some interesting questions. I will say, I don't think that Camilla and Palamides are set up as romantic at all. And I'm willing to fight about this. You know, actually, you're right. Yeah, I can see that. Because it's, they're best friends forever. They're best friends. Because it's also, we were, it was established in Gideon that Palamides had the hots for the real Dulcinea. Yeah, yeah. And they were going to get married. I mean, I think that they're both bisexual. Obviously, look at Camilla's hair. Right? Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. But I don't think that they were bisexual for each other. Now that they are, now they are, they're the purest, well, I might have this out because I don't know how bisexual people would, but the purest distillation of bisexuality, where not only are they bi in their attraction, they're bi in their very existence because they're two people. I mean, there is a beautiful symmetry to that. And then I guess finally, because we talked about whose side is Gideon actually on, and it's like, I think that she's trying to get back. I think she would be on anybody's side if Harrow was also on that side with her. Yeah, that's true. But I also think she's, she, I, I, it would be hard for me to believe that she doesn't harbor a lot of wild resentment towards dear old dad. Like, I think. I, I, I would be shocked as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then are Gideon and Harrow actually going to admit their feelings to each other? I mean, they are lesbians, and we know how you guys are. Yeah, it could take a while. <laughs> it could take a while. But theoretically, they're both immortal now, in that Gideon is dead already, and I'm Harrow is a looker. I'm actually going so. to say, though, I'm putting money that Gideon is probably going to be restored to life at one point, at some point, 
if for no other reason than Harrow tells. Well, don't Electro, preempt me. Don't. I, I want to introduce it as a thing that works. Of where do we? Th- what are our predictions for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are our predictions for Electo the Ninth? Yeah, but as you were saying, Gideon and Harrow are essentially immortal now. Yeah, it could take eons for them to admit it to each other. They got thousands of years. Yeah. And they're going to need them. Am I right, my fellow LGBTQs? We know what's up with lesbians. Okay, but what? so what do you expect from Electo? I think it's going to be wildly entertaining, and we're going to find out more about what Electo really thinks of John and what he's done. There's the final enemy is probably not going to be John. Um, it's probably going to be whatever it is that's possessing people. Because that's been hinted at since, like, Gideon the Ninth, because it was one of those things that killed the Eighth House representatives. One of them. Oh, yeah, because that's they kept referring back to whatever weird thing happened to the Eighth House, and I was yeah. like, I don't remember this at all. Because <laughs> that's the thing, because most of the people at the First House in Gideon were killed by Cytheria, and then some of them became Lictors, but then the Eighth House... One of them got possessed by something and tried to kill the, and succeeded in killing the other. And then someone else, I don't, might've been Ianthe killed the possessed one. Man, what a tangled web we weave. And then in addition to that, I believe that Gideon will be resurrected back to life instead of being this weird corpse thing. If for no other reason, than at some point Harrow's going to say to Electo, bring back Gideon or fix Gideon or whatever, probably just as an aside and Gideon's going and, um, and Electo will interpret Liberty will interpret it literally and using her presumably vast godlike powers. will just heal Gideon back to being alive again. And since Gideon's soul is already there conveniently, I'm sure it would be pretty simple for her to do. Hmm. I think Harrow might be unlictered. Mm. And the reason I think this is that it hasn't turned out great for her so far. This is true. Because I think there's also, because sort of a large part of the driving drama of Harrow the Ninth, the book, was how mad all of the lictors were about being lictors. Like literally the only person we've seen just be straightforwardly happy about it is Ianthe who in every opportunity makes the worst possible choice. Exactly. So I don't, cause like we have the Paul model, but no offense to them. I wouldn't want to be that version of a lictor either. Well, the other thing is, you know, clearly John and Electo have some sort of setup where they're both able to inhabit their bodies. That's why he didn't flat out just kill Electo. Yeah. But um, on the other hand, they may be unusual in that respect. I, I do wonder if the reason Camilla and Palamides did their fusion was not because that's what's required necessarily, but because Palamides literally didn't have a body to go back to. Right. He was just put because that's <laughs> we didn't specifically say this, but Ianthe in her body doesn't actually appear on the planet with the blue sphere. She sort of projects herself into Nibiru's turns body because she held on to it i guess for exactly that reason for yeah and then chronobeth is like oh you've done his hair all wrong 
And we're like, oh, Corona Beth, you're the best and the worst. Love you so much. And so then Palamedes, Camilla challenges Anthe to the duel that they never had back on the first house. And Anthe is like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you, babe. Like I'm in a dead, like, what are you going to do? Right. And then Camilla actually wins because of course she does. And then Palamedes basically fights Anthe for control over Nibirius's body and takes it over. But so then at that point, it's like, well, I don't want to be stuck as a dead body forever. And so then they fuse in Camilla's body. So the question is, yeah, would, would, uh, in order to be sustainable, would Gideon and Harrow have to undergo a similar fusion, even if they do have separate bodies? Or yeah, well, as you say, will Harrow get unlectured? Yeah. Well, I think it's because I, I am, I cannot imagine that electo happens without John being defeated. Yeah. So then he's going to be functionally unlictered, probably, with the release of Earth's soul from yeah. the Electo body. And I'm willing to expect that is something that's going to happen. And, um, you know, she's going to be liberated from the body that John stuffed her into. Yeah. You can go back to being a planet again. Well, the return to her true body, which is the planet Earth. Yeah. And John will be ripped of his godlike powers and killed. And so I think in the, in that way that Hera will be unlictered somehow because she's also she's probably functionally like halfway there already because some part of Gideon's soul is attached to her dead body. And so what I think may be happening is that part of Gideon's soul is incorporated into harrow enough that she is still like she has a regenerative powers and whatever yeah but then part of it was able to be attached to her body and that may be why she's such a jerk is that Mm, she's not you know a full person right now and so i think gideon's gonna be re-gideoned and harrow is gonna be un-gideoned and they're and then they're gonna kiss we can only hope Well, okay. If you want to find me online, I am on Twitter at Cockroach Arles. And I am online on Twitter at SpacerMace, S-P-A-C-E-R-M-A-S-E, or on my website, TessaFisher.com. The show is on Twitter at ASABpod or at our website, where you can find show notes and transcripts for each episode, ASABpodcast.com. And if you like the podcast or you think other people might like it, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is the number one way that podcasts grow. And until next time, keep on sciencing.